0: morning, church. Can Bill Angeli bring his ice cream to a church function? Good question. I'll have to ask him about that. Um, You know, Jonathan, a good question is, do you wonder how long that I'm going to preach these days? As long as I want to. That's the good thing about preaching for free. You can't get fired. And if you don't like the sermon, my reply is, you get what you pay for, right? <laughs> so it's uh, I'm footloose and fancy free uh, these days, and it's a, a joy to be able to do that. Welcome to the Fellowship Center and to our live stream audience. We're glad you guys are with us uh, today. What a blessing uh, to be here in the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Loved being, singing those songs about worship. Clark Goodwin is going to read our scripture today. Come on up, Clark. It says you're 14. You're very tall for 14. You're taller than me. And it also says you've been doing jujitsu for six years. Is that right? You think you could take me right now? <laughs> <laughs> there is no doubt he could take me. He would use my considerable girth against me. I know about this jujitsu. <laughs> so what color are you like? a what are you What color belt are you? Orange belt? Orange belt. It's pretty impressive, right? When you get up to purple... Uh, I think you should put on like a gold jacket, (laughs) purple belt, gold jacket. I mean, just remember that. All right. You got it? All right. Here you go. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate that, buddy. So uh, I entitled uh, today's sermon, Don't Miss the Point. And there's a lot of reasons why people miss the point. Uh, I've noticed as I've gotten older that people miss the point because they can't hear. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? You don't have to raise your Well, thank you, Rudy, for raising your hand. Um, yeah, you just don't hear quite the same, the way you used to, right? I remember uh, Lori telling a story of when uh, Carl was still working for us. And, um, you know, he had kind of, his hearing had diminished, you know, the, the older he got. And she came in, she said, Dad, there's uh, there's cake in the break room, which was a big deal, you know, for our staff. Cake in the break room. And Carl jumped up out of his chair. He said, there's a snake in the break room. <laughs> Missed the point, right? Happens quite a bit. Sometimes you miss the point because something is over your head, right? Maybe you're just not quite sharp enough to catch it, or maybe someone's trying to be funny and you just didn't get it, right? I remember when uh, Lisa's mom told me after she watched the first episode of Duck Dynasty, she's, I said, well, what do you think, Molly?" She said, I don't get it. I said, you don't get it? She said, no, I, I don't think it's funny. I was like, well, you can always watch something else. It's okay. <laughs> Just because it's your family, it doesn't matter. So it's all right. Just didn't like it, right? Or maybe, maybe you're focused on the wrong thing. Because that's what we're going to talk about today. Sometimes when you're focused on something you shouldn't be focused on, then you miss the point. Of what God is trying to to give you or trying to do in your life. I got a, a video I want you guys to watch. One of my favorite uh, preachers uh, with a funny story about missing the point. Guys, if you can roll up.
1: When it's in other people, isn't it? I mean, it's just so easy to spot that, you know, understand... <laughs> Oh, I was. At, it was Teen's Take America. It was about 25 years ago, and some of the guys who are here know. Teen's Take America was a large rally in the Churches of Christ for, for teenagers. It used to take place in Oklahoma City. And I was speaking, and it was one of those times when God just, boom, I mean, it exploded. We had over 50 baptisms, and we had the tank of water right up there on the stage. We were doing them right here, right now. And the problem is the great people in baptismal preparation, their faith had led them to have six baptismal garments ready for us. So what I and some of the other guys were doing is as soon as a kid went in and got out and they could hand us that baptismal garment, I was wringing it out, running around the other side of the stage, meeting it over there, handing it to another kid. I mean, this was my, you know, deep, important ministry as I'm running around after speaking. Well, about my fourth or fifth round, I got to a kid, gave him the garment, turned around, and a breathless man ran out of the stands down and said, uh, uh, he said, quick, I, I, I need to talk to you. And I, I said, what, what? He said, number 37 didn't go all the way under. (laughs) What? He said it was a young man. It was a young man. He had blonde hair. And his his arm, I could see it from where I was sitting. I'd been counting. And his his arm was kind of floating up. His arm was up. He didn't go all the way under. I'm holding a, a baptismal garment, ready to run it around to the other side. And I don't know why I couldn't stop my mouth. I said, okay, okay, what was he wearing? <laughs> and the guy just looked at the garment and then looked at me. And I said, you know, thank you for caring. And I turned and started to run, and he said, wait a minute, what are you going to do? And I turned, every now and then, God just gives you one. I turned around and I hollered, trust Jesus! And then I ran. Now, you need to know that I still wrestle with the legalism that thinks it's got it all figured out. And yes, I have nightmares about a one-armed kid in heaven coming up and saying, Hi, I'm number 37. The truth of the matter is that none of us are saved by what we do here, but by what God did through Christ on Calvary.
0: The great Jeff Walling, nobody can tell a story like Jeff uh, for sure. In Romans 9 through 11, Paul is going to passionately lay out this argument, uh, exactly what Jeff was just talking about his fellow Jews missed the point. They missed the point about Jesus. They missed the point about the gospel. They missed the point about salvation. And the reason why that Paul is so passionate about it is because he understands. He said in Romans chapter 9 and verse 2, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. What a way to start a chapter. For I... Could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Now, that's quite the statement. I've said a lot of things, teaching God's word, preaching in the past. I've never said that. I've never said I hope I'm accursed for the sake of my people. That's how passionate Paul is about what he's going to be writing about in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And I believe the reason why he's so passionate is because at one point in his life, and we know from our study in Acts, that Paul was the chief misser of the point. I mean, he was so passionate about killing Christians. And he was so passionate about stamping out this movement that had started right there on his watch as a Pharisee that he totally missed the point. And he had dedicated his whole life to it. Remember the early disciples in Acts 4, 5, 6, 7, all the way up to 8? And there was Saul of Tarsus. And Saul had gotten traction on stamping out the movement. At least he thought he had. The whole church there in Jerusalem exploded and dispersed out of fear. But it's what God had in mind anyway. You see, Saul didn't know it. But he was already working for Jesus because now the gospel is spreading. And so we know in Acts chapter 9, on his way to Damascus, he got a Zoom call from Jesus. Direct, right? And it came in the form of a blinding light and a thunderous voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He he calls him by name twice, and he tells him twice what he's doing. Why do you tell people something twice? You want to make sure they get the what? Get the point. You're persecuting me. Now get up and go in the city, and you will be told what you must do. And he tells Ananias in verse 15, this man is a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Saul had been really good at causing other people to suffer for the name of Jesus. And now he would spend the rest of his life suffering For the cause. And think about the irony. Here's a man who hated Gentiles, and yet he would be their chief spokesperson. And here's a man who loved Israel, and yet they would consistently reject the message of Jesus over and over and over again. And yet that was his lot. So that's the backdrop of Romans 9 through 11. And obviously, it's just a lot of text, and so we're going to jump around a little bit today. But I don't want you to miss the point, because that's what happened to them. The First thing the Jews missed the point of is their special purpose. God had raised up this people for a specific purpose, and it had been told to them over and over and over again. I encourage you to read this section of Scripture, and when you read it, Look down in the margins of your Bible and you'll see all of the Old Testament references that Paul uses. And you'll see a lot of illustrations in that text as well. It it reads like a who's who of Israel. All the people that Paul quoted or talked about. There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the founding patriarchs of Jewish heritage. I mean, everything we see about the Messiah starts with those three. And they're in there. There's Moses. And Pharaoh, Moses, the deliverer of the people of Israel out of slavery and the whole dust up he has with Pharaoh, and also the deliverer of the first covenant, the law on Mount Sinai. No greater name in Jewish history than that of Moses. And he's in here. There's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, Malachi, Elijah, the greatest prophets in Israel's history who consistently told the people of God spread out over all their history, You're missing the point. You're not trusting in God. That represents all their history. There's Job, one of the most ancient figures in the Bible. There's King David, arguably the greatest king in Israel's history. He's mentioned. Missing the point. Most of these are mentioned in Hebrews 11, what I like to call the Faith Hall of Fame. By the way, this Hebrews 11 closes with these words, which would apply to these guys. All these were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. What? All this time, they're doing the work of God on faith. And none of them knew what they were doing or why they were doing it. They just trusted and they believed. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Then he says later in chapter 12, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. What an amazing idea to think over the course of thousands of years, God was using men and women who really didn't understand what the big plan was, but they trusted him anyway. They didn't miss the point. Unfortunately, they were in the minority because generation after generation of God's people in Israel missed the point, turned away, turned to false gods, turned to anything, turned to terribly immoral behavior, all in the name somehow of serving some God, but not the God who had brought them out. They missed the point. They missed the point of the purpose of the Jewish elect, which was what? To provide human heritage for the coming Savior of the entire world. That was their one and only specific purpose. You notice it was not just to save Israel, because they missed that point too, but to save all of mankind. Oh, not the dirty, rotten Gentiles. All men, all women would know about Jesus because of their purpose. I think... The reason Paul brings up Elijah in Romans 11, 2 through 4, is because Elijah is a perfect example of how you can miss the point. Paul said in Romans 11, don't you know what Scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They've torn down your altars. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. And you remember he was sitting there. He was depressed. He was sitting under this broom tree. He said, I'm the only one left. I just, just take me away and just destroy this whole place. There's nothing good in it. No, not one. I'm ready to go. What always amazes me about that in first Kings 19 is that he had just had the greatest victory, maybe in the history of any prophet in all of Israel. You remember the, the battle of Mount Carmel? He's up there and he's against all these, you know, false prophets and priests of Baal. And I mean, he's taunting and he's strutting and he because he knows that God is going to show up and show out. And God does. And then they hunt down all those false prophets and kill every one of them. But then he gets word that Ahab and Jezebel, the king and queen of Israel, have not changed their heart. And it just defeats him. It said he was afraid. How could he be afraid? This man just went up against a whole nation and a whole religion and won. Because he missed the point. But God loved him anyway. He sent an angel of the Lord to minister to him. Fed him some food. Got him feeling good again. And he said, I want you to walk out. And I want you to stand on this cliff. Because the presence of the Lord is about to pass by. So Elijah does exactly what God tells him to do. And he looks out there and, I mean, there's a big, huge earthquake and things are happening and rocks are falling. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there was a big wind that came along, hurricane force. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. Then there, there was a great fire, another fire. So big and consuming, it can only be a fire from God. Nope. Lord wasn't in the fire. Things got deathly quiet. Like they are in here. And then there was a gentle whisper. I got work for you to do, Elijah. I got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You just don't know about them. In other words, I got a plan. And you're a part of it. Now get up and go and do what I've called you to do. Pretty direct, right? You don't want to miss the point of your purpose. Well, the Jews also miss the point of law and grace. Paul said in Romans 11, verse 5, right after this uh, Elijah text, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were based on works, grace would no longer be grace. So you can't have a grace, I love it, but then I'm going to add one thing. Then it's not grace anymore. They missed the point. You know why the Jews think that God gave them the law in the first covenant? Because they thought they could keep the law. They still do. Nope. They can't. No one ever has, save for one, the one who came to save them. By the way, the one they missed, they missed him. Paul would say in Romans chapter 9, verse 30, What shall we then say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, A righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. Won't work. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, see I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Never. So he's unashamed of his following. Isn't that amazing? We believe that the church, the body of Christ, is built on a cornerstone. And we revere that cornerstone more than anything else. But that same stone is a stumbling block for anybody who doesn't believe. Missed the point. But you say, but Al, oh, wait a minute. I mean, we do good works, right? I mean, good things happen. There's mission work and the church is doing good things and people's lives are being changed because of works. I mean, don't good things happen? Don't works happen? Yeah. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's good works to be done, but they cannot save you. You cannot miss the point. You'll start believing your own press releases that you really are a big deal. But you're not. Because he said before that in verse 8 of Ephesians 2, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. No one. Not preachers, not elders, not anyone. We are saved by the grace of God, and law only shows us that. Just what Clark read: the Christ is the culmination, the fulfillment of the law. Yeah, but yeah, but can I just hold on to t- the top ten? You are saved by grace, not by works. It's very difficult for us to accept this because we want to show that we're better, but you're only better. In Jesus Christ. And see, that's the point, the big point they miss. Not just their purpose, not just law and grace, but they miss Jesus. They missed him. He came during their era, and they missed him. They didn't believe him, and they ultimately were a part of the plot to kill him. That's how much they missed him. Paul would say this in Romans chapter 10 of verse nine. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Somebody answered that and tell them they need to be in church. <laughs> For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Does that sound simple? You can answer. Does that sound simple? Just because something is simple, though, doesn't mean it's easy. Because you know, know, those of you that had to make this proclamation and profession and submit your lives to Christ, you know that was an all-in decision. It shouldn't be easy, but it is simple. The simplicity of who Jesus is. He went on to say, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's twice he said that. And yet we wear shame like a blanket. And he says, why are you, why are you living so full of shame? I've taken that from you. Every rotten thing, every sin, it's on me. For there is no difference. Between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the only way to achieve achieve true unity is in Christ. Where skin color doesn't matter. Where gender doesn't matter. All the things we see every single day of our waking life now. That are being thrust into our culture to divide us. Jesus says, full unity in me. You don't have to look at people other than anything but a brother and a sister in Christ. That's what I bring to the table. Is it worth it? He goes on to say, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And by the way, that's not just preachers. Because the best sermons I hear are people telling about what Jesus did in their life. And how it impacts and changes. Your victory in Christ is just something waiting for someone else to be blessed by. So don't be stingy with it. You need to talk about it. What has Jesus done for you? See, that's our ministry. And we're all involved in ministry. You don't have to get paid to do that. If you get paid, that's great. You're worthy of double honor, Paul would say. But you don't have to. Every single day of our existence, we have an opportunity to tell someone about what Jesus did in my life. It's a ministry. Here's the way he would put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. You know, he's just speaking truth out of his own life. Paul hated the idea of Jesus Christ as Saul until he met him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, you know, I'm no, I'm no minister preacher. Oh, yes, you are. Sister, brother, we all are. We're ministers of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're all in this together, if we don't miss the point. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. What a text, if we don't miss the point. He said, well, that's interesting, Al. Thank you for the history lesson today. Thank you for all the things you brought out. Thank you for pointing this out and being here this morning. But what does that mean to me? What does that mean to me on July 11th, two thousand? well I'd say the big point is don't miss Jesus That's a, that person is really trying to get through to whoever's got that phone that's like five calls someone doesn't know how to turn the sound off I'm betting that they're over 60 and Barbara Allison's in heaven so I know it's not her Don't miss Jesus. That's the point. Last week, my uh, six-year-old granddaughter, we went back home. we were getting ready for lunch, and there were some people there that had not been here. And they said, who preached today, Sage? And she said, well, Pap and some other guy. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> and they said, well, what did he preach about? And she she said, well, he said he was raised by teenagers. (laughs) I did say that. I guess Edmund's right. The illustration is more powerful than the point. I don't want you to miss the point of today. Someone asks you what I preached about. You say, he said, don't miss Jesus. You say, well, how, how would we do that? Well, we might become so engaged in a wonderful 12-step program or something that helps our life change that we would think the program is what saved us? Nope. Don't miss Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. I love things that help us be better, but not if we miss Jesus. Because you know what will happen? You'll go right back into the same old thing, because if Jesus isn't there and the Holy Spirit's not living in you, it won't be based just on steps. You'll fall and you'll fail Without Jesus. Don't miss it. You could be in a church and talk about all the things that are going on and how nice the chairs are and how great it is. And you can miss Jesus. Churches do it every day. How? It's impossible. Didn't he die for us? Aren't we committed to him? Yep. But Jonathan's right. Sometimes we get so comfortable in our surroundings that we forget about what was done for us. Don't miss Jesus. Well, we've got a lot of good mission work going on. Man, we're going to go here, we're going to go there, we've got to raise some funds, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Do it all, but don't miss Jesus while you're doing it, or you'll base it on your own success. Oh, man, we got to do something about the country, I mean, we got these people in the White House, we've got this, that, and the other. All that's true. Be engaged. You're American's. But don't miss Jesus. People that are depressed because their guy didn't win. Come on, man. Our guy is always the winner. No matter what happens. We're far beyond the politics of America. Jesus Christ is in control of our lives. We've given it all to him. And if he decides to take this culture down, it's going to go down. But we're not going down. We're not going anywhere. Because we are the saved sons and daughters of the Almighty if we don't miss Jesus. And don't miss grace either. Because if you do, the, Paul uses the word conceited. You'll think you are the cat's meow. You're it. I mean, I, look at me. If you miss grace, that's what happens. We are all sinners saved by grace. There is no one here, no one watching, no one a part of this family that's any greater than anybody else. God has saved us. And don't miss your purpose. You say, but how? I'm not sure really what it is. Well, you're in good company. Because the entire Old Testament didn't know what theirs was either. But they trusted anyway. You may go through your whole life just being a servant of Christ and never quite sure what else he wants you to do and you're going to be in heaven and somebody's going to come up to you that lived 400 years after and they start telling about something you did that changed their life. If you trust that God is in control of your purpose. It doesn't have to be a neon sign People ask me all the time when I go to speak, you know, pastor, how, how did you, you know, your call? What did God do in your call? I said, I was dragged in kicking and screaming. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to work for the church. I didn't want any part of it, but I went because I trusted in Christ because he knew more than me about my purpose. That's what God does. If we don't miss him. He'll let you know. So, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your own life or heart. You may have missed him. You may have missed him up until this moment. This past week, a young man was here. He came up. He was the last guy here after I met all of our visitors and everybody was here. And he said, I said, how's it going, buddy? He said, terrible. I said, well, What's, what's going on with you? I, I don't know. I just, my life is awful. I don't, I don't know Jesus. I said, well, you've come to the right place. Because I do know him. And after a lengthy discussion with me and Paul Stevens, he submitted his life to Christ. But last week when he came here, he had no idea who he was looking for. Now he's on his way back to Ohio, a saved son of the Almighty who didn't miss his opportunity to meet Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So there may be somebody here today in the same spot. And that's what Romans 9 through 11 is about. The vast majority of the Jews missed it, sadly. But there are those that didn't. And that's why we're here. So if something has caused you to miss Jesus or to miss grace or to miss out on the idea that God has saved you for a reason, we're here for you. We're here for you guys viewing in from all over the country because I know lives are changed out there as well. If you have a need at all, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing.